0: Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at
1: Bloomberg.com TechSF. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, February 23rd. Coming up today.
2: The Fed plans more rate hikes to curb inflation.
1: Janet Yellen says the global economy is in a better place today than many predicted.
2: NVIDIA shares surge following its earnings report.
1: And President Biden calls Russia's nuclear withdrawal a big mistake.
2: The
0: National Weather Service says it was indeed a tornado in New Jersey this week. Plus, the NTSB releases its preliminary report today on the Ohio train derailment. I'm Michael Barr.
3: More ahead. I'm John Stash, in Sports. The Islanders beat the Jets. The Rangers played tonight. College basketball wins for St. John's and Fordham. That's all straight ahead
0: on Bloomberg Daybreak, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Each morning on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app,
2: and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager.
1: And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today.
2: We begin with the latest reaction to the minutes from this month's Fed meeting. Officials expect more interest rate hikes will be needed to curb inflation. Still, almost all officials backed slowing the pace of the increases. New York Fed President John Williams says it is critical the bank remains committed to its 2% inflation target.
0: Price stability is, in fact, the foundation of economic prosperity without price stability. Uh, all of the other goals that we have, whether maximum employment or low and stable uh, or low interest rates can't be accomplished. So that's an absolute imperative for us.
2: New York Fed President John Williams says demand for goods may keep inflation from falling as quickly as some have expected. Bets on the Fed's policy rate are almost fully pricing in quarter point increases at each of the central bank's next three meetings.
1: Well, Nathan, the Fed and investors will have a couple more key economic reports to analyze this morning. Revised data on fourth Quarter economic growth and weekly jobless claims. And Bloomberg's Vinny Judice has more. In its
0: initial tally, the government said the U.S. economy expanded at a 2.9% pace in the fourth quarter, a tad slower than the third quarter, but respectable. Nonetheless, Bloomberg Economics says today's revised data could signal weakness in trade, though the headline will remain healthy. Turning to the labor market, jobless claims have held below 200,000 for five weeks, running at historic lows. That's the U.S. economy's best protection against
2: recession. Vinnie Dell, Jude
0: Bloomberg Daybreak.
2: All right, Vinnie, thank you. Meantime, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says the economy around the world is improving.
1: It's fair to say that the global economy is in a better place today, than many predicted just a few months ago. In the fall, many were worried about a sharp economic slowdown across the world.
2: Yellen made those comments in India, where G20 leaders are meeting. She also says the U.S. intends to quickly nominate a candidate to lead the World Bank. The official nominating process to replace current president David Malpass begins today.
1: Back here in the U.S., Nathan, we're seeing further signs of weakness in one of the key sectors of the economy, the housing market. According to real estate brokerage Redfin, the total value of homes declined by $2.3 trillion in the second half of 2022. That's a 4.9 percent decline, the biggest drop since 2008. The median home sale price in the U.S. was $383,000 last month, down from a peak of $433,000 in May.
2: On the earnings front, Karen shares of Nvidia are up eight percent in early trading. The chipmaker gave a bullish revenue outlook for the current quarter. We get the story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. It suggests that its push into artificial
3: intelligence processors is helping offset weakening demand for personal computer chips. The company has parlayed its dominance of graphics processors into a strong position in the growing market for AI hardware. Its chips excel at the kind of parallel processing that allows computers to make sense of large amounts of data and train software to make decisions. In New York,
2: Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg, Dave break.
1: All right, Charlie, thank you. Well, turning to geopolitics now, the U.N. General Assembly is set to vote on a peace resolution in Ukraine with the one-year mark since Russia's invasion coming up tomorrow. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story.
0: The vote is expected to take place at the end of the emergency session. U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Linda Thomas-Greenfield says the effort is important. We should never give
4: up on the potential for diplomacy or the power of dialogue Are the urgency of peace.
0: She says the atrocities cannot go on. The
4: bombing of kindergartens and high schools and hospitals. The slaughters of innocent civilians.
0: Greenfield says Vladimir Putin chose the war.
2: Now it's time to end it. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thank you, Ed. And adding to the tensions, Vladimir Putin is pulling Russia out of New START, the last nuclear treaty between his country and the U.S. President Biden says that is a big mistake, but he's trying to play down concerns that it poses a threat.
3: I've not seen anything. We've not seen
2: anything where there's a change in his posture, what they're doing, the idea that somehow this means they're thinking of new, using nuclear weapons, international continental ballistic missile. There's no evidence of that. President Biden spoke with ABC News at the end of his trip to Eastern Europe, where he bolstered NATO nearly a year into the war in Ukraine.
1: And finally, Nathan, a look at the lack of gender equality in the workplace. In the U.K., only one in 10 who run Britain's portfolios are women. Now, veteran investor Helena Morrissey is setting her sights on tackling the lack of women in top finance jobs. As part of a special report, Morrissey's been speaking to us about her new pathway program and why diversity efforts so far have failed to move the needle.
2: I do think there's an image problem that um, people look and they think, oh, fund management's not for me. It'll be very isolated to be a woman. It's kind of macho environment. And I think there is still, though, a bit of a sort of cultural impediment as well. I think men, many men now, especially in our industry, really are just as frustrated as the women that we're not seeing more progress.
1: And Morrissey's program is currently working with 60 women from 33 firms in a bid to increase gender diversity across senior positions in finance.
2: 38 degrees in New York. We are tracking that massive winter storm in the upper Midwest. For us, it's going to turn partly sunny and mild today, going up to near 55 degrees. It'll be breezy down to 40 tonight. Time now to take a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world with Bloomberg's Michael Varr. Good morning, Michael.
0: Good morning, Nathan. The National Weather Service has made it official. It was indeed a tornado that touched down in parts of Mercer County, New Jersey Tuesday. The EF2 tornado had estimated winds of up to 115 miles per hour and tore Destructive path for almost six miles. The cleanup continues today. As you mentioned, Nathan, a massive winter storm is pummeling the central U.S. It has dumped record amounts of snow and canceled hundreds of flights. Storm warnings and advisories stretch across almost the entire northern U.S., with the blizzard warnings in Minnesota and the Dakotas. In the Chicago area, the ice made for dangerous road conditions. This motorist is in Antioch Lake County.
1: The roads kind of got a lot icier. My driveway is complete ice right now.
0: About 100,000 people in the Chicago area are without power. NTSB inspectors will release its preliminary report on the Norfolk Southern train derailment today. Almost 40 rail cars ran off the tracks two weeks ago in East Palestine, Ohio, creating a toxic spill. Today, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg will visit the area. Yesterday, former President Trump was in East Palestine, telling residents that they are not forgotten.
3: It's been weeks since Americans have been inspired, they've just watched this over the weeks, they've been inspired by your strength and your courage and how you've come together to stand up for the families in your area.
0: Trump, also a presidential candidate, handed out Make America Great Again hats to residents. The Orlando community is reeling after multiple shootings, claiming the life of a nine-year-old child, a young woman, and a TV station news employee who was on the scene covering the earlier shooting. Two more victims are in critical condition. Orange County Sheriff John Minas says the suspect in all three shootings, 19 year old Keith Melvin Moses is in custody.
1: At 19, he has a lengthy criminal history to include gun charges, aggravated, aggravated battery and assault, uh, with a deadly weapon, burglary, and grand theft charges.
0: Sheriff Mina says it's unclear if he was targeting the news crew. A pack of headphone thieves are on the loose in Manhattan. According to the NYPD, they are riding through on mopeds and yanking Apple AirPods Max headphones off unsuspecting pedestrians' heads. They've struck more than 20 times less than a month. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Shaking my head.
2: Thank you, Mm. Michael. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Good morning, John Stanshower. Good morning, Nathan. We're getting
3: closer to March Madness. Final Four will take place in Houston, The number one team in the nation is Houston. Cougars last night won by 30. They're 26-2. Alabama is ranked second. Crimson Tide won at South Carolina on an overtime game-winning hoop by their star freshman, Brandon Miller. He scored 41 points. This comes just two days after police in Tuscaloosa revealed that Miller was once in possession of the gun that they say was later used in a murder. He does not face any charges. ACC upset BC beats sixth ranked Virginia by 15, Big East, Yukon by 18 over Providence and St. John's having a rough year, but Red Storm got a win at Georgetown 79 to 70. Also locally, Fordham survived a scare at Loyola, winning by two, and the Rams go to 22 and 6 on the season. Iona has won 20 games. I'm interested to see if the Gales Hall of Fame coach Rick Patino moves on to a bigger job like St. John's or Georgetown. Reportedly, Maryland wanted to hire Pitino last year but would have had to pay a large buyout, and there is no longer a buyout in Pitino's contract. TV ratings for last Sunday's NBA All-Star Game. Lowest ever. Denver's Michael Malone coached the game, called it the worst basketball game ever played. The NBA will return to playing some defense as it returns from the break tonight. Knicks and Nets have road games tomorrow. Rangers, a couple of losses since that seven-game win streak they played tonight in Detroit. Islanders last night beat Winnipeg 2-1 to on a Simon Holstrom goal midway through the third period. John stash Allen,
4: Bloomberg Sports. The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th
0: Live from coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington D.C., nationwide on SiriusXM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com.
2: This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. Rates need to keep going up to get inflation back to target. That is the main takeaway from the minutes of the Fed's latest policy meeting, with just how high they need to go and how quickly. That's still an open question for markets, so let's bring in Bloomberg Markets correspondent Valerie Teitel to get some more takeaways from the latest Fed Minutes. What stands out to you, Valerie?
5: Uh, There was a few things, notably the discussion around the the hike size between 25 and 50 basis points. A few wanted 50 basis points. So that implies that Bullard and Mester probably convinced one other person within the FOMC to go for that. And that was really kind of the hawkish risk for the market. Um, The other things is that there were no mention of pausing. Powell kind of hinted in his Q&A that there was, but the minutes didn't really show it. The minutes also didn't Uh, didn't state the word disinflation, which Powell used repeatedly in that Q&A and in that press conference. So that was surprising to me. The other thing was, is that they focused solely on the upside risk to their inflation outlook as being key to their policy going forward. Remember, going into this meeting, we had a string of softer than expected CPI prints. There was some expectation that perhaps they would discuss the downside risk to the inflation outlook and the policy that would entail from that.
2: So another sign that data dependency continues to be the mantra at this Fed. Do we have a better sense, judging from the minutes, about what they need to see in the data to get to this idea of at least slowing down or pausing rate hikes?
5: there really wasn't any clues uh, in terms of what it would what they would need to pause uh, there, there was really no discussion of of the circumstances in which they need to see that the the data going forward though we do have the core pce on friday pce is the fed's favored measure of inflation it's what they use in their sep forecast their summary of economic projections so keep an eye on that on friday and then following on friday we have five Fed speakers due to speak. All three of the vocal hawks we'll hear from, that's Mestard, Buller, and Waller. So it might be a fun Friday for the markets.
2: Yeah, yet more commentary from Mestard. It'll be interesting to hear from her in particular, given that we did see that a few uh, market participants or Fed participants were talking about the idea of 50 basis points. But in terms of the PCE, Valerie, there's been so much focus on wage pressures feeding mm-hmm. into inflation. Do we have any idea from the people you're speaking to about what they expect to see in that core inflation data that uh, feeds into wages?
5: Uh, there, There is an expectation that the Friday's print doesn't come in hot. We've seen a lot of upgrades on the street in terms of uh, uh, banks upgrading their forecast. UBS, Goldman and a few others upgraded it to the core PCE month on month from 0.4 to 0.5. And that comes after that hot CPI and the hot PPI print. But for really for a measure of, of wage inflation and for wage pressures, we're going to have to look next week. We get an updated reading on the unit labor cost. It is going to be the second and final reading of that. But note the big revisions upward in that a few months ago uh, led to a a broad market sell-off. So have an eye on that one as well. It's next Thursday.
2: And we'll also have an eye on who's going to be making these decisions with one of the most vocal doves on the Federal Reserve, Lyle Brainerd, set to depart as vice chair this week. And now we're getting some clues on who could potentially be in line to succeed her.
5: Yeah, there was a report out from The Wall Street Journal uh, that discussed two candidates, both of which were economists under the Obama administration, one of which she co-authored a piece in 2019 that concluded that a 3% inflation target would have been better for the economy coming out of the Great Recession. So you could... You could imply from this that Biden is really looking for a dove to replace Lale Brainerd in that pivotal vice chair seat. We don't know when we expect to hear this from Biden, but we do hope it's soon. We know that the Fed convenes again in in a month's time and, and ideally that vice chair seat would be taken by then.
2: Although it is interesting to hear that idea of changing the inflation target when we've gotten some pretty strong rhetoric from New York Fed President John Williams, who is so influential on this Fed that 2% needs to be the way to go.
5: Yeah, he spoke last night uh, and did discuss that 2% inflation target. But also Powell has really pushed back on that on that idea that a higher inflation target would be more suitable. It, it, kind of saying that you don't change the goalpost in the middle of a game. Uh, maybe there will be time to review the inflation target, but it's not going to be in this current cycle until they get inflation back to target. That's kind of been the words we have heard from Powell. I don't really see him shifting on that. But the fact that, that Biden, would be pushing to get a dove into the seat. You know, it could change the discussion based on the time frame at which they want to get inflation back to target. He's, Powell has prepared us for it to be a long process, kind of implying that they're okay with inflation running hot for, for maybe a few months longer if that means we don't risk a hard landing.
2: This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond.